Welcome to the Victory Life Church podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at vlcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at VLC Plantation. Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. How are we doing? Thank you for being here. Thank you for joining us. In fact, would you do me a favor? Would you turn to the person next to you? Not that you've already talked to them enough and tell them I'm so glad. Come on, tell them I'm so glad that you are sitting next to me. My name is Jacob. I'm one of the pastors here. We want to welcome you. We want to welcome those watching and online. It's hard not to talk about the um, the blizzard happening down here in South Florida. And, you know, I, I walked outside and I was like, man, this is amazing. This is, you know, I talk about the weather. I love it. And then about 10 seconds later, I was like, this is why I live here in South Florida. Because I hate this. I can't stand this. I had a layer up. I had a layer of my kids up. And then when your kids have to get, use the restroom, you have to de-layer them. And then you got to re-layer them. And I'm just like, we're going to stay here in sunny South Florida where God is good and God is sovereign here in the end. <laughs> just kidding. If you're from out of town, we want to welcome you and thank you for joining us and being here. Uh, and Merry Christmas tomorrow. I mean, how many of you plan on coming to church on Sunday morning? On Christmas Day, you get to show up on church and sing and, and hear a message. So um, I know many of you might stay home and open up some presents, but we pray that you would take some time with your kids or your family to open up the Christmas story like we're going to do today. In fact, if you have your Bibles, will you go to Luke chapter 2? And, you know, for the past two weeks, my dad and I have have kind of walked through this journey of an encounter with the angel Gabriel, who first talked to Zechariah the priest that said, you and your wife Elizabeth are going to have a baby, and his name is going to be John the Baptist. And then there's, there's another encounter with Mary that said, you're going to have a baby, and his name is going to be Jesus. Your cousin John would prepare the way for Jesus. And so today, here we are, and I know my dad said that December 25th isn't Jesus's necessarily his birthday. But I believe, I heard one pastor say, if he really wanted us to know the date and time, he would have specified in the scripture. But he didn't. So December 25th it is. Amen. So we're going to go to Luke chapter 2. And I want to invite you to stand up one more time. And we're going to read this story. And if you don't have your Bibles, that's okay. No shame. But we'll have it on the screen for you. It says in verse 1 of chapter 2, In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. And so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. So Jesus had some siblings, if you didn't know. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Verse 8, it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. 
And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And when the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. I think I've heard this story a hundred times. I've preached this story at least 10 times. It's an old story, sure, but it is oh so ever new. Let us pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your scripture. These next few moments as we're probably thinking about what we left at home in the crock pot or the oven, whether our house is gonna be intact when we get home, or whether our children are behaving next door, or whether mom and dad got us what we really wanted, or Santa got us what we really wanted. We're just not sure. Lord, I pray that even now in this moment that you would be stirring in our hearts and you would be speaking to us in a new way that we would read this story with maybe fresh eyes or a new perspective, that we would gain something, that we would walk away out of these doors remembering the real reason of this season, and that is you, Jesus, who would be birthed into this world for one purpose, to redeem it and its people. And so we stand here in humble adoration. We stand here with gratitude, we are very thankful for you. And it's in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. amen. You may be seated. Merry Christmas one more time. You know, I'm a uh, big sucker for movies and stories that have happy endings. Come on, how many of you would agree with me? We love stories with happy endings. I watch certain movies or read certain books. And I would say to that author, if I had an opportunity, or to that writer, I probably would have written that a little bit differently because it would have been better my way. Have you ever said that to somebody? You ever walked away from a movie and been like, man, I wish I could have spoken into that while they were writing that, you know, years ago. But we love movies like that. We love stories with heroism. We love stories with happily ever afters. We love stories with a little bit of vengeance. Come on, right? There's, there's a dark side, a little bit of a dark side in us all. We love that stuff. But man, we love how it starts. And most of those books, most of those movies start with that same phrase, once upon a time. If I had a gift card, I'd give somebody $5 for finishing that statement right there. Once upon a time. You know, as soon as you hear that phrase, your imagination just starts to run, at least for me as a kid. I just, I just wonder what it would be like if I was there once upon a time. What would it feel like? What would it smell like? What would I do if I was there in that moment? But the problem with once upon a time is, is our imagination starts to run and our imagination is just imaginary. But this story right here is not imaginary. In fact, the scripture says in the New King James Version that it came to pass. This is a real story with real events, with a real king, with a real baby, with a real birth, with a real decree. Because that's what it starts off with. Caesar Augustus issues a decree that a census should be taken over the entire Roman world, the entire Roman world, not just one town, not just one city, not just, not just plantation or sunrise, but the, in somebody say entire, 
entire Roman world full of, by the way, war, chaos, immorality, and yet this Caesar Augustus, which by the way, his name was given to him, which meant sacred and exalted. He was a little conceited, a little prideful. He did bring some peace into this world, but he also brought absolute power and he wanted absolute submission. And so here you have this, who was the nephew of Julius Caesar, issuing a decree in the middle of what people are wondering, where is God? Because it's been 400 years since Malachi. Where is his voice? Why is he not speaking? Where are his prophets? We are burdened down by religious tradition. And so God, where are you? And then he speaks. It would be at this moment in this time of history that God would decide to birth his very own son. And this time, can I remind you that it doesn't matter who sat on the throne then and there, God was still in charge. And church, it doesn't matter who sits on the throne today, God is still in charge, amen? So Caesar Augustus would issue a decree. That would be the decree that would send Mary and Joseph to a little town of what? Bethlehem. God can use evil people to fulfill his purposes and promises. God can use a king. God can use a president to do what he has promised. And so we're witnessing, reading the story here, fulfillment being taken place by a simple decree that said, go to your town, pay your taxes, take a census, and Joseph and Mary go to the place called Bethlehem, which, by the way, was only mentioned in the New Testament eight times and in the Old Testament 41 times. And one of them is found in Malachi or, or Micah chapter 5, verse 2, which says, but you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, which, which just means fruitfulness or abundance, which is going to be important. Though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel. Here we are seeing prophecy being fulfilled in the town of Bethlehem, which in the Hebrew, that word means house of bread. House of bread. I wouldn't want the town that I grew up in to be, um, you know, considered and called the house of bread because bread really isn't that significant until you realize what Jesus was actually talking about in John 6.35 when he said, I am the bread of life. Coincidence? I don't think so. The bread of life, it goes on to say Jesus would be born. I love how the New King James Version uh, puts it. It says that Jesus would be brought forth meaning there was something to be presented, something with anticipation. What's it going to be? And where are the people? Where are the cameras? Where are the lights? Where's the action? Because there is going to be something presented here in this town of Bethlehem. And where are the kings? Where are the magi? Well, the magi weren't even there at the birth. They would come years later. But where were, the, where were the cameras? Where was the robe? Where was the crown? Because what was going to be presented would be the savior of the world, but nobody knew. There was no royal hospital. There was no extravagant tub that this baby was being birthed into. It was found in a place, some say a stable or a cave, where this baby would be born. Jesus would be brought forth, not in an inn, because there was a census taken and the hotels were overbooked. The Marriott was booked. The Hilton was booked. Even the Motel 6, and another translation says that that was booked as well. So there is only a, a place where the animals would dwell, and that's where the bread of life would be, would be birthed. Now, I remember three of my kids being birthed in the hospital. And I remember what it 
felt like. I remember what it, there was just, there was screams, there was cries, there was an aroma that scented the, the room, there was nurses running around, there was doctors running around, the baby would, would, would be birthed would be presented and then would be cleaned and would be given to the mother while the mother's being cleaned and then it would get thrown into the heat lamp, not thrown, just gently pressed onto the heat lamp. I'm like, what are we cooking? Some type of like, you know, ribeye or something like that. And so, so that's what would be happening all in this moment and yet chaos, it was beauty. We had everything we needed. We weren't worried. We had clean rags. We had help. We even had somebody taking pictures. Now, when we had one through COVID, I was the one taking pictures while assisting in the birth, while encouraging my wife, while encouraging me all at the same time, I was kind of doing it all. So <laughs> they didn't have anything. It reminds us of a friend we know who got the call. I'm going into labor, hop in the car, rush to the hospital. I got to do this once and we didn't have the baby at that point. We had to come back, but I was like, I'm running every red light. And if a cop shows up, I'm telling him I'm having a baby. And so we knew of somebody who was rushing to the hospital and well, there were no nurses, there were no doctors, there were no clean rags at all because they didn't make it to the hospital. The baby was birthed in the back seat, but it was still magical. They didn't care. The car cared. And then the husband who had to drive that car for the next couple months cared a, a little bit. But nobody cared because it was magical. This was this type of birth, no matter where it was, no matter what it looked like, no matter who was there. It just says that she wrapped him in cloths, probably torn from some other type of clothing, and placed him in a manger. In a manger? Humiliation to exaltation. There's a quote by... Trent Butler, that it would be from this moment, the lowest moment would bring the, the highest glory at the lowest moments, humiliation to exaltation. In fact, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, if we could put that on the screen, this is the words of 1 Timothy. He says, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. For God was manifested in the flesh. And I, I wonder what it would have been like to, to experience that. The manifestation of God in the flesh here in this manger, in this stable, or in this cave. I wonder what it would have been like if, if I was there. What it, what it would have, how would it, what was the experience? Was anybody there? Was anybody around? Was anybody nearby? There was somebody nearby. And there were shepherds nearby. And what were they doing? Watching their flock at night. And who appeared to them? Remember, two weeks ago, there was one that appeared to Zechariah, and the same one appeared to who? Mary. And now who's appearing to the shepherds nearby, watching the sheep at night? It was an angel. An angel appears to tell them what just took place right over here with Jesus. Now, if I were God and I were asking the question, who should I tell first? That's going to tell everybody as fast as possible, as quick as possible, and they're gonna go fast. Maybe the shepherds. Well, God, I don't think that's a great idea. No, this is a good idea. Trust me, we're going to tell this. A shepherd? Do you know who the shepherds were? I mean, these were the outcasts. These were the people who were ceremonially unclean 
for what's going on right here. These were not the people that I would have chosen, but how many of you think thankful that I'm not God and you're not God? Because you might have picked, I just saw a hand raise over there, all right? It was a rhetorical question. Um, you, God is God and he's gonna do what he sees fit because ultimately he is sovereign and he has a plan. And he said, I'm gonna use the shepherds. The, the, the shepherds? You mean the people that probably talk more to sheep than they do people? Exactly. A humble beginning is happening over here. What looked like humiliation, but can I remind you that just because the beginning of the story didn't look all that great doesn't mean what the story is producing isn't going to be great. How many thankful that who you are today wasn't who you were in the very beginning of who you were years ago, of who you were in that cell? God is doing something with something, and he says, this story I want to tell first to the people out in the fields. Shepherds, you know the occupation that they have? Would be the occupation that God would send his son in John chapter 10, Jesus twice identified himself as the good, what? Shepherd. Church, the Bible isn't coincidental, it's purposeful. It's not written by accident, it's intentional. It's all a part of his story that's already taken place. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. It may not make sense to us, it may not have been who God, who we would have chosen, but God says, listen, I need you to first go to the shepherds out in the field nearby. So angels, go. Okay, go. Well, what do we say? Well, what do we bring to them? I got an idea. How about you bring them great news, good news, and do it with great joy. And, and so, so here they are. They, they, they poof appear to these, these shepherds out in the field. And they start bringing good news with great joy. And then there's some in the background who are singing. You realize what's going on out here in the field? We have like the first recorded church service. The person that God would use to first preach the gospel would be an angel. And the multitudes behind them, that was the worship team. We had the first church service out in the field and you better believe it was loud and you better believe there were lights in your face and you better believe there was smoke. Maybe not a screen or a projector, but there was probably something. I mean, these people were terrified. They were so, I love how the angels, the angels like, don't be afraid. What do you mean don't be afraid? Are you kidding me? Look what I'm looking at. How could I not be afraid of what I'm visibly seeing? The King James Version says that they were sore afraid. I was like, they were sore? Was the person like, they were sore afraid? Did they mean sore, like so afraid? No, sore. Like, they, they, were, they were painfully afraid of what they were seeing. And while they were painfully terrified, all of a sudden, the angel's like, poof, gone, out of here. And they're probably looking at each other saying, did, did, did you just see what I just saw? Did you just? Here's the thing. The angels were gone. They just came and delivered. They did what they were supposed to do, and that was to just simply report because the angels weren't supposed to stay there. The angels weren't supposed to be there and walk them through that journey. They were just supposed to report and it was the shepherd's responsibility to respond. And so they, they responded. I mean, how could you not after what you just saw? Now we live in South Florida. We're home to the eighth wonder of the world, the Guitar Hotel right over here on the turnpike. If you don't know, some guy was like, you see this guitar? What if I could live in it? 
what if we could build one? And everybody was like, yes. And they built it and nobody can afford to stay there. But it's cool as you drive by it. I remember the first time I saw that thing lit up. Oh my gosh. I mean, the lights were shining like a million miles in the air. It was the craziest thing. I was like captivated. I don't know how there, there aren't accidents on the turnpike right there as you pass by that, that guitar hotel. I don't know how because I'm just staring at it. My wife's like, you got three kids in the car and me. Oh, yeah, sorry. Can you video at least? So I'm just captivated by it. And, and I remember telling her, I'm like, we got to go there. We got to go there. Until I looked up how much it cost. And then I waited and waited and waited. And then during quarantine, it was a great time because they had deals. And so we went. We stayed in the guitar. We were like, you know where the circle is on the guitar? I play the guitar. I don't know what that thing is called, the little whole thing. We were there in that guitar. You don't know it's a guitar when you're in it. And by the way, did you know that if you stayed there, you can request for them to bring you a guitar and you can play. And I was like, I think it was like for our anniversary. I'm like, babe, I'm going to have a guitar that we can play. This is going to be great. She's like, no, you're not. I'm not bringing a guitar on our anniversary trip. <laughs> I was like, dang. Of course, there was like a $2,000 non-refundable you know, refundable deposit you got to put down. And I was like, oh, well, I'm going to mess with that. So. But I had to see because of what I saw. This, that's basically, the shepherds are here witnessing this manifestation of the glory of God take place in this field. And then like, we have to go to see what happened. If this is true, let's go. And so they go and they find Jesus. Because if God says go, you don't ask why and you don't ask when, but you ask where, where? Because if I ask why, God's not gonna give me the information. And if I said when, he's probably gonna ask me right now or 20 years from now. And I'm not gonna like either of those answers. So what do you say and what do you ask? Where, God? If God has asked you to do something, do you, do you, do you, are you obedient like the shepherds were? Because it doesn't say that they contemplated on going. It doesn't say that they, they took care of their ordeals or they you know, groomed the sheep, sheep a little bit more and then they decided to you know, go. It says they, with haste, that's what the other translation says, with haste. I assume that means they hurried, right? They, they, with haste, that's what I tell my kids. With haste, I've never used that word before, but I will now, with haste, let's go. Go to bed with haste, you know? Hurry, why are you walking around? Why are you taking your time? If God has called you to do something, if God has called you to go somewhere, why do you sit on your butt? I'm sorry for my French, I apologize. Why do you sit? Why aren't you moving? Why aren't you going? Why are you asking questions? Why are you debating it with other people that, who, who have no concern about your soul? If God says go, you, you just ask where do you want me to go, God? Where, he'll show you, he'll show you. You think the three magi, when they were, when they were venturing out to go see um, this, this child now in this home, you know, they were like, all right, when do you want us to go? God said, I'll bring you a star. That's when you go. And so they followed a star. You ever try to follow a star? No, because we can't see stars down here in South Florida because there's too many lights. But if you can, you ain't going to go anywhere. But this star was leading the magi to this child. And so the shepherd were like, let's go. And so they go. And they, they, they see the manifestation of God in the flesh here as 1 Timothy 3.16 described. Matthew chapter 2 said that when, when the angel was talking to Joseph that his name would be Jesus and this man would be the savior of the world. And so here they are. They show up. 
and they're blown away by what they see. And then they were like, sweet, man, let's go home. Let's drink and be merry. No, they didn't say that. They were like, we got to tell somebody. We got to shout it from the rooftops or, or from the fields. We got to tell every single person and sheep that we can. We have to tell them of what we've just experienced. Because what the angels reported is true. Here he is, the Messiah, the King. He's, what he's promised is happening. What he said in the Old Testament is taking place here. We, we, we can visibly see it in this manger. There is this baby, Jesus. They were so compelled by what they saw that they had to share it. But I think some of you today, well, you haven't really been able to share it because you have not been able to experience it because you got way too much going on in your life. You got way too many distractions. You've got way too many pursuits. You've got way too many uh, things taking you away from what you should be doing and you know what those things are and you haven't been able to step into what God is wanting you to experience. He's calling you. He has a purpose for you. He has a plan for you. He wants what's best for you. But meanwhile, you're over here saying, well, that's cool and all, but man, I've got sheep to watch. I've got things to take care of. I've got investments to run. And God is like, put down your earthly investments because there is a kingdom investment that you have got to step into that you desperately need. But how do you respond? How have you responded? Maybe you showed up to a church like this before and you were like, man, that's not for me. Or you were like turned off because the person who opened the door for you didn't even smile. They didn't even acknowledge you. Like they were supposed to know your name, but they should smile and acknowledge you, but they may not know your name. And you were like, nah, church isn't for me because, man, I've just, I've just loved living my life. Well, you know, the scripture says that one day you're going to die. And God is either going to say, well done. I knew who you were and I know who you are and you accepted me and you believed in me and I saw it by what you did. So enter into the kingdom of heaven. But, but there's also another possibility that maybe you did see one day, maybe you did experience one day, but you were like, you rejected. Maybe you were like, you know, when I'm 90, I think my grandmother is turning 92, right? 92 years old. And she's still telling me what to do. I was at her house the other day and she's just like, I'm like, grandma, how are you so fully aware? You're almost 92 years old. And she said, I'm 92 years young. And I was like, okay, okay, grandma. Okay, grandma, you know, she's ready to fight me. But... Maybe you're like, when I'm 92, on my deathbed, oh, I hope that I rest with the Bible next to my head, and then I'll confess my sins, and God will forgive me, and so I can have a nice big home and not have to spend eternity in hell, but you may not get that chance, and maybe tonight, God has, draw, God has brought you here for not just um, checking off Christmas Eve service at a church not just because mom dragged you by the ear to show up, not just because if they said you come, we'll get you a gift, and so here you are. Maybe there is a divine reason. Do you believe that God does things in the spiritual that we don't see, that we don't know, that God has already been working in some people? God has already been working on some people who are watching right now online. God is doing something. And maybe you're here tonight and you're saying, Jacob, man, I I don't know who Jesus is, but I'm reading about him now and I'm interested. 
You know, the scripture says that God knocks at the door. And all you got to do is open it and let him in. But all those things go through our mind about, man, what, what, what am I going to have to sacrifice? I'm not going to be able to have fun anymore. I'm going to have to stop doing this, stop doing this, because this book tells me that I can't, and I can't, and I can't, and I can't. And I'm like, man, you're looking at the Bible wrong. You must have been reading this upside down, because if you turn it this way, it tells you what you can do. It's like, it's just a bunch of don'ts. No, it's a bunch of do's that'll separate you from the bunch of don'ts, and you'll find yourself at a place way better than everybody around you. It may not look better. Come on, some of you have been in the faith for quite some time. It doesn't always look better, Right? It doesn't always feel better. Some of you are like, man, I was way better off when I was in the world. I was way better off when I was working on Sundays, and now I'm in church, and I'm struggling. Sure, maybe on the outward, but deep down inside, you've got a joy in your heart. You've got a peace that makes no sense. Do you want a peace that makes no sense? I know that's a weird even thing to say. What do you mean it makes no sense? It's a peace that surpasses all understanding. Some of you are hurting. Some of you are broken. Some of you are so far from God. It's like, why would he want me? Why would he ever think about me? Well, he did 2,000 years ago when he sent his son named Jesus, who would be birthed into this world as a baby in a humble setting, by the way, who would then be lifted up, not in a way that you thought, not on a chair, in a palace, but he would be lifted up on a cross. And he says, your sins, I'll take. Your mistakes, I got you. All your baggage, bring it to me. Let me, let me put it on my shoulders. Let me take the beating. Let me take the scars. I'll do it for you so that you can have, as John 3.16 would say, you can have everlasting life and that you don't have to perish. Maybe that's you. And you're here today and you're saying, Jacob, and I, I'd like to know for certain that if I die tonight, on Christmas Eve. Hopefully, nobody dies tonight. And we are praying for those, by the way. It's cold down here. We like that. But everywhere else, people are suffering. They have no power. They're stuck on the streets. So we're enjoying the 40-degree weather while people are in miserable and negative 40-degree weather, by the way. So we pray that nobody dies tonight. But if you did, where would you go? Where would you go? And so maybe God is tugging at your heart. And he sent you his son to say, listen, I love you. I have a purpose for you. I have a plan for you. Will you respond like a shepherd who said, I saw it. I got to now go see what they're talking about. And now I got to tell people what I just saw. Would you bow your heads and would you close your eyes for a moment? If that's you, there is a card that you probably set on. It says connect card. And on there, there is a box that says, I am committing my life to Christ. And you don't have to know, have all the answers, by the way, and you don't have to have it all figured out. In fact, you know, we often hear people, you know, you got to shape up before you show up. Man, that is a lie because we would never be in the right place to shape up, to show up. God just says, I need you to show up. Right here, right now, as you're thinking about this, God is just saying, I just need you to show up. On Christmas Eve 2022, God is just saying, just show up. Don't try and figure it all out. Don't try and, you know, cross all your T's and dot all your I's. Just show up. Here I am. I have a purpose for you. I love you. I knew you before you were even in the womb. And I have a plan. If that's you, I want you to pray this prayer tonight. 
And church, I want you to pray this with me. And it's not this prayer that all of a sudden is magical and saves you, but it's this decision that you're making. You're coming into agreement with, with us, with, with Victory Life Church, and more importantly, with God. Say, you know what, on this day, God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna surrender. Ooh, that word is tough. But I am going to give all that I have to you. And so if that's you, I want you to just pray this prayer and I want you to mean it. And I want everybody in this church to pray this prayer. Would you say, Heavenly Father, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Make me a new person, a new child. Help me to follow you for the rest of my days because I am your child and you are my father. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can we put our hands together for maybe somebody who made that decision today? I'm gonna ask you to stand to your feet all across this uh, room. If you didn't make that decision, I, I really mean it. I'd love for you to take this card and just select, I'm committing my life to Christ. Obviously, if you're out of town, we still love to celebrate with you. Um, we wanna give you something as well. We have something little we wanna give you to say thank you, but you should have gotten something on the way in that uh, had a, it, was a little, it was a little tea light. I know it's not the, the real thing or it's, it's a little, it's, you know, doesn't look like this, but that's okay. Can you just do me a favor? Could you just like that? Because it was on this night on a silent night where people thought that there was no hope. People thought that God was never going to come back and, and do what he was saying and do what he was promising, but it was on this night that this story was told that through a virgin, a Messiah would come on this silent night. Father, we thank you and we love you we worship you. In Jesus' name. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If this has blessed you, would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people? You can do that at vlcministries.com slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Here's what we believe. Living God's way everywhere, every way, every day. We love you and God bless.